Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Mac ain't better than ever, and back where it all began, Bristol today, my home for 21 years. Good to be back in this building. Special day yesterday. I will have details on that. Thanks always, Bob Wischusen, for taking care of business here. We are, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests on the Goodyear hotline like the great Bernard King. All that and more. Let's get this thing going. Here we go! Only one place to start. Let me be honest, man. This is getting out of hand. The amount of disrespect, the amount of just fans is doing whatever the they want to do. Simmons coming right down the court. Dunks it on Westbrook and Beal. Ben Simmons with 16 first-half points. All right, obviously the story coming out of last night in Philadelphia was not about the points that Ben Simmons scored. And look, fans, I'm always on your side. Always. Until you take it to the place that I just can't be anymore. And there has been a great juxtaposition for that this week from me as fans are back in the arenas in the NBA. And the scene at Madison Square Garden where I was on Sunday night, was completely electric. And you could tell through the television the same was true last night. And does that sometimes walk right up to a line that makes you a little nervous? Unfortunately, in the world in which we live today, it does. Now, as I told you, at several points in the game on Sunday night, and I'm sure they did it again last night, the fans were chanting at Trey Young. It was a pretty simple chant. It's only three words. The first of them started with the letter F, and the other two were Trey Young. And then, of course, he makes the game-winning shot, and he gives it right back to them. Gives it right back to the fans. And you know what we call that? We call that sports. That is sports. That's what it's about. I myself do not love the chanting of that word. When I was a kid, that would never have happened in a sporting arena. But I recognize the world has changed. In the moment, it felt as though it remained within the boundaries, perhaps not of good taste, but at least of the moment. That was about basketball. I spoke on this show not long ago about the difference between sports hate and real hate. When I was a kid, I hated the Boston Celtics. I was a fan of the Knicks and Larry Bird and Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish and Dennis uh, Johnson and Danny Ainge and Cornbread Maxwell and all those guys. I hated them. but I didn't hate them. I never met them. In fact, I've gotten to know many of them subsequently, and they're all delightful in their own ways because I never really hated them. But boy, did I hate them. That's sports. And there's nothing wrong with that. What happened in Philly in that moment last night with Russell Westbrook, that is something else entirely. And let's make this straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. That is just one utter cretin checking his humanity at the door and dumping popcorn on a player. That person, to begin with, should never set foot in an NBA arena again. And if you can't tell the difference between those two things, between fans chanting at Trey Young and someone dumping popcorn on a player... If you can't tell the difference between those two things, I'm not sure I can help you. Because, you see, all those fans chanting at Trae Young, if they ran into him on Broadway one afternoon, they would ask to take a picture with him. They'd be polite, they'd be excited, and most of all, they would just behave like human beings. You throw something at Trae Young on Broadway, you might get arrested. Now, Philly fans, as we all know, have a rough rep. And in my experience, that both is and isn't warranted, which is to say, yes, it's a tough town and a tough crowd, but that doesn't mean that 99.9% of them don't recognize the difference between those two things. And the best thing I saw last night from all of this after the Westbrook incident was all the other fans that I saw pointing out the idiot who did it. Straight talk wireless, no contract, no compromise. So again, that guy should never be allowed in an NBA arena again. 
Should it go farther than that? I had Seth Greenberg and Jalen Rose both on TV this morning with me suggesting that it could and maybe should go farther than that. I sort of see it both ways. To take it to the level where you are prosecuting someone for dumping popcorn on someone at a ball game, there is part of me, my logical mind, that says that that does not really make sense. I'm not sure that punishment fits the crime. Throw him out, humiliate him publicly, put a picture of him up so everyone can see this is the guy. Let the people he works with and all those people recognize this is what a dope he is because that's exactly what he did. To prosecute him seems like it might be overkill. And I think that's where I'm living on this issue. But I will say Seth Greenberg brought up a pretty interesting point, which is that you have to sort of set a precedent that we're not going to allow this because, yes, it's popcorn and that isn't really particularly dangerous. But the next time it's a beer, the next time it's a battery or something like that, it goes to the next place. Seth Greenberg actually said he played during his or played coach during his college coaching career in places where they did have stuff thrown at his players, batteries and things like that, stuff that can really genuinely hurt someone. So maybe you do just need to set a message. We just will not have that here. There is going to be no throwing of anything in our arenas. And if you do, we're going to make the consequences real, not just banning from an arena, which parenthetically, I've never understood how they do that anyway. How do you enforce that? Like, does every usher know what this person looks like? Are we are we I don't know that, but let's not sidetrack ourselves into the least important part of all of this at any rate. That person should never be allowed into an arena again at minimum. Simple as that, because if you might do that, who knows what else you might just think is funny or appropriate next time. And we cannot have the players be in harm's way in their place of business. It's as simple as that. Greeny presented by Progressive's Home Insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. I hate that that sort of took the lead here on a morning where I would much rather be talking about all the really good and interesting NBA action last night which included John Morant's 47, Donovan Mitchell coming back, so Utah gets a big win. The Sixers looking completely dominant in that series. And then, of course, the action at the Garden, the best first-round series between two teams, the Knicks and the Hawks, who could not be more evenly matched. You You cannot draw up a more evenly matched series than this when you consider they came into it with the same record. They were the 4 or 5 based on a tiebreaker is what separated them. So teams with the same record, the first game is tied with... I mean, one second left. Trey Young makes the shot with .9. Last night is tied into the closing minutes and, and, and final minute. Really, it could go either way. So this series is as evenly matched. These two teams are as evenly matched as you can possibly be. And I will be talking to one of my childhood heroes, the great Bernard King. Let me bring Nuno into the conversation here today. Hashtag Nuno, the producer. I'm in Bristol today, so I'm actually staring across the glass at Nuno, my beloved Nick fan. And again, I try and do the math in my head on your age. Are you old enough to remember Bernard in the early 80s? That was very early in my watching because I'm 44. So I started remembering like basketball around like 83, 84. So like around that time. Let me tell you, for a very brief period of time, Bernard King was as unstoppable offensively as any player I've ever watched in my whole life. And that's inclusive of everyone. From Kevin Durant to Michael Jordan to anyone, George Gervin, anyone you want to point at as the greatest scorers. Now, he didn't do it long enough. He got hurt. He had an ACL at a time when an ACL was basically a career-ending injury, so that was it for that. But at his best, and we used to call him St. Bernard when I was a kid growing up, every kid wanted to be Bernard King growing up in this town. So we'll talk to Bernard Coming up in a few minutes, I'm really looking forward to that. We'll go through that series and a whole lot more when he joins us. But I wasn't here yesterday, and I just want you to know what happened. I need you to listen carefully. 
I just want you to know. So, again, thank you to Bob Wischusen for coming in and, and Ryan Smith on TV for filling in on very short notice. This came together quickly. So my nephew, Eric, um, who is someone that if you read my book, Why My Wife Thinks I'm an Idiot, uh, he was the baby in that book. Um, and I've talked about him over the years. He was born before either of my kids was born. So he was the first baby I ever really got to know. We've been very close over the years is what I'm trying to say. And he graduated from college yesterday. And he, he went to college right here in Connecticut, near where we work, near where we're sitting right now, Wesleyan University, which is in Middletown, Connecticut. But anyway, because of COVID, you, they weren't expecting anyone besides the parents to be invited. The, the, each, each, the, the understanding was that each graduate would only have two tickets, and so his parents are going, so I was never going to go to this graduation. Literally, at the end of last week, they changed this. They changed the policy, and they opened it to two more guests based upon the, um, the, you know, the changes in the way the COVID, the world is going as far as the coronavirus is concerned. So we decided as a family that I would go and surprise him. Eric did not know I was coming. So I took the day off. I mean, literally, in the last minute, Nuno will tell you, I'm texting him Monday, like, can we get someone in here Wednesday? I felt terrible, but it just, this was, it couldn't be helped. But the point of the story is this. So this is a surprise. I underline, this is a surprise for my nephew. Bubba, turn your mic on because you're going to like this story. Tell me about the etiquette on this situation. Uh Uh-oh. I'm with my brother and sister-in-law, my other nephew, Scotty, who's Eric's younger brother, and me. We're there. We arrive. We get into our seats. It's a beautiful, somewhat hot but lovely day in Connecticut. And someone comes and, you know, as you always do, you give someone your phone. Can you take a picture of the four of us? So someone takes a picture of the four of us. And my sister-in-law texts the photo to the family group chat. So about three seconds later, I don't know this has happened, Scotty, the other nephew, the brother of the graduate, says, Mom, did you just text the photo to the family group chat? And she says, yeah, excitedly. No idea what she's just done. And Scotty says, well, Eric just wrote back, who knew Uncle Michael was coming? So the surprise, Bubba, is ruined instantly by the group chat. The family group chat winds up ruining the surprise. I ask you, what are the ramifications of this? I mean, this is the problem. People just love, they got to share pictures, they got to text, just just enjoy the moment. I mean, just you're there, you're happy, you got the picture, you'll share it later. Just just enjoy the moment for crying out loud. This is what I'm saying. Unbelievable. You need to talk to both my wife and her sister. They're identical twins and they have identical mindset with something like this. Being married to Stace is like being married to the paparazzi. There's pictures everywhere constantly of everything and she posts it all. And, and, and now I got this situation. It ruins my surprise. It was going to be a great surprise. It would have been a great surprise. All right. Anyway, that was my day yesterday. Thanks again, Bob Wishus and Ryan Smith, for filling in on very short order. I am delighted to be back and delighted to bring the great Bernard King into this conversation next. I am Greeny in Bristol on ESPN Radio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, 
designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Greeny, the podcast. Rolling along, Greeny, with you live in Bristol today, back where it all began, presented by Progressive Insurance. The one, the only, Bernard King will join us in 30 seconds on the Goodyear Hotline. I can't recall the last time I looked forward to anything more than I look forward to talking to Bernard King. We'll do it after this word from ZipRecruiter. If you were a business owner who was hiring, it can feel like trying to find a needle in a haystack. But when you post a job on ZipRecruiter, their matching technology finds these qualified candidates for you and invites them to apply. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. So while other companies give you too many options, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Greeny. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash G-R-E-E-N-Y. His memoir, Game Face, is being made into a movie with Ben Stiller. Speaking of movies, he was brilliant in one that I loved as a kid called Fast Break. And oh, by the way, at his best, he was the most unstoppable offensive force in the NBA. The one, the only Bernard King is with us on ESPN Radio. Good morning, Bernard. Hi, good morning, Greeny. I'm glad to be here with you. I can't believe you remember Fast Break. <laughs> you, well, let me tell you, I could quote you lines from that movie left and right. You and I might be like the last two people who could do it, but you were hustler and you were magnificent in that movie. You hustle guys playing pool and you play against Nevada State. You're playing at Cadwallader. Gabe Kaplan, of course, is the coach. <laughs> I know that movie like I know my like the back of my own hand. Well, I really have pool game. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. it. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. And I, I wanted to start with one little fan geeked out kind of moment here, and then we'll get into the basketball of today. But, you know, it, it made me feel so good. I was at the game on Sunday night with my son, and they show you on the screen, and the ovation that you get at the Garden shows me that people remember the way I remember, that people remember that period, that moment in time, 1984 in particular, where you were the best, you were the best player in the NBA, averaged 42 points in a playoff series against Detroit, took the Celtics seven incredibly tough games that year. What does it feel like all these years later to hear the fans react to seeing you that way? Well, it's it's always special being back at uh, Madison Square Garden, obviously, and to get the reaction from the fans that I did. Anytime that I'm present in New York, uh, the fans are very kind to me. They remember the effort that I gave every single night and, and how I li- delivered on behalf of the team and the organization and playing my heart out with the greediness and the toughness that represents New York City. A native New Yorker yourself, obviously, from Brooklyn. Greeny and Bernard King with me. All right, let's get into this. 
Uh, the series here, Knicks and Hawks, which is an outstanding series. They couldn't be more evenly matched. I opened the show by pointing out they had the same record. Both games have basically come down to a shot here or a shot there, and they're tied at one game apiece. What will make the difference when the series is over, and one of the teams has obviously won, what will we say was the difference between these two incredibly evenly matched teams? Well, I mean, first of all, I think this series is going to go seven games. I, I think both clubs are, are really talented teams. Uh, but I think the difference maker, as you saw last night, is going to be Derrick Rose. Uh, Derrick Rose has come in and he's really put a great deal of fire under his team, particularly in the second half. He's found his rhythm. He's found his game within the system. And I think that to have him scoring points and penetrating and dishing off and putting pressure on Trey Young, I think that's needed, and that's going to be the difference in this series, as well as uh, the Nick bench. Well, he's been such an outstanding accent piece, really, since they got him this season. Do you believe he's ready for more than that at his age and the history of injuries and everything else? Can he be one of the two or three most important players on this team right now, play the minutes that will require over the course of a seven-game series? Well, there's no question about that. I, I look for Julius Randle to really start to uh, elevate his game. He had difficulty, obviously, in the first game and, and second game. He wasn't his um, normal offensive self. And so that's where Derrick Rose picked it up. And so you have to control Derrick Rose's minutes. But I think it's very important to have him on the floor to put pressure on, on the Hawks and, and deliver it in a different way. He's hitting the three-point shot. He's providing the leadership that's needed. Uh, he's playing awfully well, and uh, I think he will continue to do so. Well, you mentioned Julius Randle, who you know, was a candidate, or won the Most Improved Player of the Year award, and fans chant MVP when he's out there on the floor. But they have not gotten him going offensively in this series at all. So give me a little coaching here. Take the fans inside. How do they get him to be more efficient and effective offensively as this series goes on? Well, I think that he's going to have to look for more of his early offense. And, and what I mean by that is uh, Randall loves to receive the ball on the wing oftentimes if he's not taking the three-point deep shot and then back his man down toward the low post. And when you, when you do that, you're going to get double teamed uh, far more frequently. And so what happens, everything begins with the catch. And so he has to catch the ball if he wants to get into the basket, catch the ball closer to the lane as opposed to the wing position and then trying to back this man down. And so if you go back in deeper to catch that and then turn and face and take that drive as he's capable of doing left to right, it's going to put more pressure on the front line of the Hawks, creating more fouls on the front line. And I think that will help get his game going, Greeny. Greeny and the great Bernard King with me on the Goodyear Hotline helping you discover the road ahead, Goodyear more driven. On the other side, it, it's really been, I don't know if coming out party is really the right way to put it because we knew Trey Young was a terrific player, but boy, has he been lived up to the hype, if you will, in this. Just as you watch him play as one who knows what it is like to be at the pinnacle, what are we seeing in Trey Young at the age of 22? Well, what you're seeing is a, a player that uh, truly understands his game within their system but he also understands where he can find Bogdanovich within the offensive system that they're running. And he loves the big stage. He's an exciting player. There's no question about it. And I think one of the things that the, the Knicks will continue to do, they have to give him different looks. You have to pick him up early. Uh, obviously, he has the ability to break you down off the dribble and get into the paint and get that little floater. 
or find his teammates for, for jump shots. But sometimes you want to zone him up. Uh, power stack up the court on the right-hand side and force him right. And now you're forcing him into a tremendous amount of defensive help. And uh, the Knicks, are being a great defensive team, I, I think if they utilize some of that, it will change his patterns. All right, so that series is tied at one. Game three, as you mentioned, is tomorrow night. It'll be on ESPN. I mentioned that you're Brooklyn's own. What are your thoughts on the Nets? They have that big three together. So far, they're, they appear to be on their way of making relatively short work of the Celtics, and, and then we'll see. It gets harder from there with Milwaukee looking good. Uh, what is your projection for those three guys and what Brooklyn can do over the next six weeks? Well, you remember playground basketball, Graney? Mm-hmm. You, you get teams that are stacked and they wind up dominating the court all day and you never get a chance to really play. Well, that's what it's like with Brooklyn. When you have that, that, that trifecta there of those uh, three great players, uh, they're just dominant offensively. And obviously, they haven't spent a lot of time together this season due to injuries, a uh, very limited amount of time. But I think that what you saw in that second game is what you're going to continue to see against Boston as the series progresses. Uh, because you can't key in on one guy. And then you take Harris, the three-point shooter, uh, that spots up and has 16 in that first quarter. You, you're talking about three dominant player, players in, in Harden, Irving, and, and Dur- Durant. And then you take a Harris that's wide open when they drive to the bucket. It's a uh, very difficult to defend. And I, I see them controlling the series. And Jalen Brown is out, uh, Greeny. Mm. And, and without him, uh, I don't think Boston really has a chance. Yeah, it was that one was... Likely over before it started. The work will start getting tougher from here. One more for you. The game is played so differently than it was when you were playing it at your best with those turnarounds on the baseline and all of that, the tough contested twos. <laughs> Everyone's shooting threes. Who reminds you of you? Is there right. anyone when you watch basketball now that you watch and you say, that guy reminds me of Bernard King? Well, I, I don't really see it in today's game because, as you mentioned, uh, the game is really predicated on three-point shots. And if I played the game today, uh, that's something that I would incorporate into my game, the three-point shot. And if I added that, I don't know how many points I would score a game. Mm. How many? <laughs> but, uh, how many would you score? If there had been threes back when you were playing and it had been so dominant, how many? You scored? You averaged 42 points in a playoff series against Isaiah Thomas yeah. and the Detroit Pistons in 84, one of the great series of all time. It's I remember. three-point shot. Yes. How many would you have averaged if there had been a three? <laughs> I, I, well, my offensive production certainly would have increased. Uh, there's no question about it because I would look to take more shots in the open floor in, in terms of three-point shooting or spotting up on, on, on the wing as well and taking that three-point shot. And so my production level would have gone up. I led the league average 32. So I would say probably about 38 points a game. 38 <laughs> points a game. I'm with it. Let me ask you one more thing, actually, because you, you bring up an interesting thought. Like the psychology of, you all the, of all this stuff always fascinates me. Like when you were at your best – you couldn't be stopped. The Celtics sent everybody at you, I remember, and you scored 46 points in a game at the Garden against them. Like, Can you describe, for the 99.999% of us who will never know, what that feels like when you are dominating a sport and no matter what anybody does, they can't stop you? What does it feel like? That is the most incredible feeling in the world when you know that anything that you do out there on the floor you can't be stopped. And in my game, I had a move for a single defender. I had moves for a double team. And believe it or not, Greeny, 
I had moves for a triple team. Mm -hmm. And so regardless of what you did defensively, I already had a move set for where I was on the floor, how you were going to defend me, whether you're 6'10", it didn't matter. Whether you're a guard, I'm just going to shoot over the top of you like Kelly Tapuka. A big man like Kevin McHale, I'm just going to go up into you and get that shot over the top of you with a quick release. And uh, so that feeling of knowing that you're you're the best, and that's what I felt uh, when I was playing at that time pre-injury, that I was the best that there was in the game at that time. And a lot of people don't remember, uh, Greeny. The players, in fact, voted me most valuable player to lead. And uh, that was really wonderful that your peers viewed you in that way. The press voted me second running up to, to Larry Bird. But it, it was just an incredible feeling to be running the floor knowing you can do anything. <laughs> you were the best. The best. We called you St. Bernard. I mean, well, that's kind. Though we loved you. I mean, I don't, I don't know what else. I loved you. I don't know what else to say. I loved you. In my youth, Thank you, I loved you. That's all I can say. I told this to Thank Patrick you. Ewing, and I will tell it to you. My brother and I, we lived in a building. We weren't allowed to have dogs. We had hamsters. We named one of them Patrick and one of them <laughs> yeah, Bernard. And we had hamsters. One was named Patrick, and one was named Bernard. That's a true story. I named, oh, a, no I named a hamster you after you. Me. Yes. Yes. You were the namesake of my uh, hamster. Yeah, I hope it was a good hamster that I enjoyed your time spent. It was a quality hamster. I mean, as, as hamsters go, I was happy with them, but really, I don't know how else to describe it. Bernard, I love you. Thank you so much for doing this. Let's do it again soon. Enjoy the games as they Absolutely. go forward. Take care. By the way, I'm going to be at the game uh, here in Atlanta on, on Friday. Oh, uh, nice. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Okay. Yes. Well, we'll see you now. I won't be there, but we will see you maybe on the TV. Again, it's tomorrow night on ESPN will be that game. Thank you, Bernard. Bernard King, and again, okay, his, Take care. You Thank too. You. His memoir, Game Face, is being made into a movie with Ben Stiller. He did. He had that face. If you remember Bernard, if, if you're old enough to remember as I did, we used to call him St. Bernard or Nard. He, would, he, he had that mean-looking I can't do when I do it, Bubba. If I try and do the face, those of you watching on ESPN Plus, you can check it out later. You can watch, and we stream on ESPN Plus. You can watch anytime you want. He had that, like when I do it, I'm looking at myself on the monitor. I'm assuming it was just like that. I, I don't, I don't feel like I look as intimidating. What would you be if I walked out onto a basketball court making this face? Would you feel intimidated? I'd feel something. <laughs> Like, I just don't – I don't think I can pull off – I mean, I don't think I'd want to play against you. would walk off, I think. Yeah, people would definitely walk – it wouldn't be because of intimidation, but you'd, you'd accomplish the same goal. I get it. I'm not – I'm not – I don't have the game face that he did. Greeny with you, brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. Proud to serve members of the Armed Forces, DOD, veterans, and their families. Our members are the mission. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. In the meantime – I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. What? I mentioned I'm in Bristol, so Nuno is here today, and I, I, I have I have taken to really enjoying um, putting on the air Nuno's Google Doc. So, for those of you who are new to this conversation, Nuno is the producer of this show, and he is the most opinionated person in the world. Now, I think when you go through training as a producer. One of the things they tell you is, you know, your job is to present story ideas to the host of the show. And I think you're supposed to present them in a non-biased way. Like you just hear, Greeny, here's a story that could be interesting. And you put it in the Google Doc. They have a nice little organized Google Doc here. And I go through them. I like this one. Not so interested in that. Whatever it is. So let's check in today with Nuno's Google Doc, shall we? And let's just see how unbiased it is. I'm going to read what he wrote. He has a note on all three games. This was yesterday's Google Doc leading into last night's games. So you tell me if this sounds unbiased to you. 
Wizards versus 76ers. Does anyone even care about this series? That, Nuno, is what you wrote. Your thoughts. And until what happened when Russell Westbrook left the court, <laughs> did anyone care about this series? <laughs> I'm sure some people. Well, Philly fans, yes. right? But, like, no one cares about Philly fans. Does, does anyone even care about this series? Next, Hawks-Knicks. I will, and this is what he writes to me. This is just this is him suggesting stories to me. Hawks versus Knicks. I won't be able to handle the Knicks going down 0-2, and if they do, this is over in five. <laughs> yeah, it was a rough. There was a rough patch yesterday where I contemplated, like, you know, I know Green is going to be a Bristol, but I can't do this. I, I cannot do this and show up to work, and with another loss. Uh, Grizzlies versus Jazz. Mitchell was mad he couldn't play in game well. Uh, game one. Well, then carry your team in game two. So you were laying down the law with Donovan Mitchell, and then he writes, looking ahead to Thursday's games. Bucks versus Heat. Heat tried to prove they weren't a fraudulent finals team. That? <laughs> Bubba, does that strike you as the kind of unbiased producing that we are looking for here? Well, we were actually talking about it because uh, Devin actually has some thoughts on it first, and then I'll weigh in. Devin, go ahead. Ever since you mentioned this, I think I think Nuno has been hamming it up a little bit more, thinking, oh, what can I get on there that will, that will pique Greeny's interest a little more? Oh, you th- so you think he's— I think there's a little element, subconscious or not. I think he's thinking about this. Very interesting. You think he's overselling the nope. Google Doc— to try and get more airtime. Nope, I do it naturally. That's that's just who I am. I agree. I can't disagree with your general thesis, Devin, that some may do that. But I think Nuno's just that guy. Nuno is just like my dad. He, he is just, his mind always goes to the negative no matter what. Uh, Suns versus Lakers, he writes. Another Suns loss and we can start wondering who the Lakers face in round two. And then Nuggets versus Blazers. Will we actually get a close game in this series? Those are the suggestions of story topics that Nuno was presenting for me on a daily basis. No wonder. I feel like I'm pulling off miracles every single day here. Just putting a reasonable show on the air when he's sending us Bubba in that direction. No, I mean, I I get what Devin's saying, but I honestly think this is just Nuno. Because I remember... Prior to even saying this, this is what Nuno's been doing the whole year. I remember when I worked with him with Will Kane, he would say this stuff forever. This is just what he says. I mean, the Knicks stuff maybe amps it up a little bit because the Knicks are obviously in the story right now, but he says this ridiculous stuff forever. This is just who he is. Did Will Kane, did did, did you have a Google Doc with him like you do with no, this? There, and- he would just send a nightly email. There would be emails. Kind of like what we originally used to do. There would be a lot of arguments, a lot of fights, almost physical at some point during pre-show meetings. Between you and Will Kane? Yeah, they were, it got ugly. You and, Will Ka- <laughs> you and Will Kane almost had fights? I, mean, I don't <laughs> I mean, know if I'd go far as that there was a lot of There was a lot of stuff, yeah. Like, if he was in the room, we probably would start throwing hands. There were some. They would. They would yell a lot. They'd be arguing because. Can yeah. you give me an example of a topic that got both of you passionate enough that you might have been doing for work purposes? That had you been in the same room, you might have thrown hands. I'll let Bubba handle this. What he was subject there. would have risen to that uh, level? I mean, I can't. Now, Will does political talk now, but I assume that isn't what we... You weren't arguing over something involving Trump, right? This would have been sports. No, yeah, it was sports. It was just everything. I forget what the topics would be, but Nuno would would always, I think, tell Will he had, like, ulterior motives and stuff, and, and, like, you're you're doing this for these different reasons, and... We don't need to cover this because no one's talking. I, like, oh, and then Nuno, I mean, Will would get so mad at him for, and it would just Nuno would be telling Will what he's thinking, and 
and and it would just it would be, yeah will would just be screaming they'd be screaming at each other and yelling and um yeah it would be it would be fun boy i really wish i had seen that i would i would love for that to have been on video somewhere anyway the crew is here i am in bristol we have a lot to get to speaking of rivalries that might result in people getting mad enough to throw hands the last two people in the world you would expect now seem to be at each other's throats and you will hear who they are next this is greeny on espn radio This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. The ultimate fighter. The reality show that brings top MMA prospects together under one roof to compete for a UFC contract is back. Stream the season premiere on Tuesday, only on ESPN+. Plus. You can also stream this show, Greeny, and all of our daily sports talk shows on ESPN+. Plus. Sign up now at ESPNplus.com. You know, it's an interesting question. We should do this as a caller segment at some point. Maybe we'll do it later today. Have you ever named a pet after your favorite athlete? And if so, who was it? Like, what do you think would be the most, like, like Bubba, if you were to, if you, do you have a pet? I don't really know much about Bubba's home life these uh, days. No, I don't, but I, I mean, I named a dog Hurley. My first dog was named Hurley. For Bobby Hurley? Correct. You named a dog after Bobby Hurley? That's why I'm a Duke fan. We've gone over this like seven times. No, I know that you were. Oh, that's right, because your parents knew the family or yeah, something? Yeah, they're from Jersey City. They knew the Hurleys. The first game I watched, the Hurley was on the team. So I was, I was mainly a Bobby Hurley fan. So when I was the first dog I got, I named him Hurley. Okay. I, I think that's a, a good one. It's not what I was. Ex- I was expecting you to say like Piazza. Or something like that, but I, I can live with Hurley. Oh, thanks. You can live with it. No, I'm. <laughs> I, I can live with your dog's name, Nuno. Anything? You have a pet? No, and, and we just named the, the the any dog that we would get. It was the same name, so Rocky, Rocky. Like just keep that. Going. You just had a series of Rockies. <laughs> yeah, like it just makes it easier for everyone. No, no, that doesn't make it easier for the dog. <laughs> oh, I mean. You know, he moves on, replace it with another one like Rocky. Rocky you know? three. Do, that's right. It's like it's like the sequel. I mean, did, did did he would he would he fight other dogs in each one of them? Like, did one of them have Mister T in it? No, but that's a, no. 
Don't Were they? Was it Rocky Two, II, Rocky Three, Rocky Four? No, just Rocky. It just makes it easy. Are you now naming them Creed? Just out of curiosity. I will. Next dog I get, I'll name it Creed. I find that very interesting. I, I, I also. Do I have this right? Did George Foreman name many of his children George? Correct, and even some of his daughters with the their first name start with George. Some like Georgina or yes. Georgette or yep, something right. like yep. that. That's. That's very interesting to me. Okay, I think we might take calls on that a little bit later today. I'm interested in that. But first... I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? Could anything be more golf than a feud between one guy named Brooks and another guy named Bryson? Nothing could be more golf than that. Also, could anything be better for the sport than this? This is so un-golf-like. And that's such a good thing. You know, everyone I hang out with is very into golf. I am obsessed with golf. I love it. I eat, sleep, and breathe it. And everyone, thus most of my friends, are golf friends. That's what we do. We play golf together. You know, there's a lot of different groups of people they like to do. Some people like going to Vegas. Some people like fishing. I like golf. And my group of guys that I hang out with, we're golf guys. And we travel around. We play golf. That's what I'm into. And every one of them I know loves this feud between Bryson and Brooks. And so I'm imagining all of these golf fans who may be put off by it. To them, I would say true rivalry is always good for sports. Golf needs to stop acting as though it is above being one. Golf has to stop being above sports. People who don't like golf or aren't interested in golf will suggest golf isn't a sport because they don't think it's an athletic activity. I think sometimes the people who are into golf spend too much time worrying about all of the decorum and not enough time worrying about just what makes it fun. At the end of the day, yes, it is an exploration of so much more than just a game, but it is supposed to be fun. And I will remind everyone who loves golf, Tiger Woods may never come back. And the reason that Phil Mickelson was such a big deal last week is that you have every reason to believe you will never see it again. So the bottom line is, if you're looking at this from a, a strictly from a business perspective, the biggest stars in your game cannot be two guys that close to being finished. The two biggest stars in sports in that sport are overwhelmingly Tiger Woods and then Phil Mickelson, in that order. And they have been for 25 years. The problem is, there's no other player. When you watched all of those fans out there on the 18th green following Phil up there, and it's very much reminds one of the scenes that we saw with Tiger at the Masters and the year before that at the players, when, or not at the players, but at, the, at the, the championship at the end of the year, the tour championship, when all of the fans start following them. They're the only two guys in the sport that create that. No, that's not happening if that's Bryson DeChambeau. It's not happening if it's Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, or any of these guys. That's what we need if you want the sport to continue beyond Tiger and Phil. So I think this is great. Did you see how funny it got? Did you see Bryson DeChambeau tweeting trash at, at at Tom Brady? By now you've probably seen the thing that got the most attention was when it's announced they got the golf match, right? So you're going to have Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady against Bryson DeChambeau and Aaron Rodgers. DeChambeau and, and Brooks and, and uh, Kepka have this great rivalry. So Kepka tweets at Aaron Rodgers, sorry, bro, like, sorry, you have to deal with Bryson. Bryson responds, I love living rent-free in your head. 
Like, this is real. They genuinely dislike each other, and that's genuinely good. And DeShambo tweeted at Brady, Once we take you down, you will feel as deflated as those balls were in the AFC Championship game. I mean, he went there. This, to me, is great. So I know there will be a lot of people in white pants who will say, that's not good for the sport. That's not what golf has always been. And what I would say as one who loves golf as much as absolutely anyone you know, that sometimes what golf has been is a bad answer. And this is what golf needs to be going forward. As we continue, among other things, the one quarterback under the most pressure of any in the sport this coming season, to me, it's a pretty easy choice. That and more as we roll on on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny, the podcast. You can check out Greeny live weekdays at noon Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+. Plus. Also, don't miss Greeny on Get Up, weekday mornings at 8 Eastern on ESPN. This is Greeny, the podcast.